Hey, sweet friends, this is Andrea, and I'm your host for Inspire on the Go. I'm excited about the chance to talk about life, ministry, and our relationship with Jesus. I can't wait to see what God has in store. So grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, everybody. I hope that you're doing really well. It is so cold in Arkansas. I hope that you're staying warm and dry and safe. Certainly praying for you and for your family that you are doing well. So we're going to jump right in to our lesson because friends, there's just a lot in this one. Um, I actually a little bit have a heavy heart as I come to you um, just because it's like Abram has the ups and the downs. He has the twists and the turns. He has um, the mountaintop experience of Genesis chapter 15, where he believed God for the promise of Isaac. He believed God for um, the nation of Israel. He believed God for the promised land, that God credited that to him as righteousness, that God and Abram entered into covenant with one another sealing and securing the deal. And then boom, we land in Genesis chapter 16. And friends, Genesis chapter 16 reads like an episode of Desperate Housewives. Okay. I'm not saying that to be a joke at all. This is straight out of like reality show mentality. And and that hurts my heart. Honestly, it, it hurts my heart for Abram and for Sarah. And, and because today in 2021, we we continue to see the ongoing consequences of what happened in Genesis chapter 16. And that should give us a real pause. The very fact that sin never stays contained, that sin has ongoing consequences, and that even though, and we praise God for this, God is a God of redemption. And we're going to see that beautifully in today's passage. And that God is a God of hope. And God is a God of truth. And we will build our lives on his redemption and on his hope and on his truth. We still cannot miss the fact that when we compromise and and whenever we give way into sin, that there are consequences for our lives and the lives of others. And we're going to see that and we're going to feel that and we're going to experience that in Genesis chapter 16. There's so much within me that wishes that this chapter never happened. Um, But yet there's still some beauty in this chapter. There's intimacy in this chapter. There is um, redemption offered through this chapter. And so we celebrate that, that even in a broken world that is messy and that is overwhelmed by compromise and the ways of this world, God is ever on his throne and he is always offering an opportunity for redemption and for hope, and for truth, and for peace. And so if you are in a messy, broken situation, one that is a result of maybe your sin, or the sins of others, or just the results of living in a fallen world, let me tell you what I do like about Genesis chapter 16. It speaks into the everyday of our life. It speaks into the pain 
It speaks into the trouble. It speaks into the hardship. It speaks into the brokenness that we often experience in relationships and in our lives. And so I, I, I wrote just a little bit at the beginning of this post where I post this video. Uh, I, I wrote just a little bit there and I, I want to talk through what, what I wrote at the very beginning of today's. I call it homework, but it's not really homework. It's just my thoughts on our lesson. And um, it's, it's about the fact that, you know, Abram's journey, it was full of ups and downs and twists and turns. And I don't know about you, but I am feeling it. Like I feel the highs and I feel the lows. And I feel the moments whenever Abram is clear and when he is you know, locked into God's vision and focus for his life. And I also feel the real doubts and the real struggles and the real questions. And actually, and this is where my heart isn't as heavy as maybe I indicated at the beginning of our video. Actually, there's something about seeing our heroes of the faith in their real struggles and their real questions, as well as their real high moments of clarity and focus that's helping me to get fortified in my journey. So I want us to, to talk about that because I think we, we have an opportunity when we slowly walk through a book of the Bible or a character from the Bible um, to really digest the the beauty of God's ongoing sanctifying work in their life, that they had the highs and the lows, that they had the ups and the downs, that they had the twists and the turns, and yet God was always there with them in the midst of it, that he was always at work, that he was always plotting their redemption, that he was always protecting them from them, and that even in the sinfulness and in the compromise, God was establishing truth and providing a way forward. And he's doing that for us even to this day. I mean, how many of us can look back over our lives and see where God has protected us, uh, to see where God has fortified us, to see how God has um, pro provided truth so that we can have a realization about our sin and our struggles. And then he's provided a way forward. Let's celebrate the fact that God is always on his throne, even in the brokenness, even in the mess, even in the struggle and that nothing is too difficult for him. Genesis 16 is hard. It is messy. It is broken. It is, it is a lot to swallow, but God, friends, in the midst of it, we are going to see him so intimately involved in the mess and in the brokenness that it becomes a picture of Jesus in the middle of our mess and our brokenness. And so let's come with open eyes and with open hearts and open minds to the fact that God is willing and able to see us, that he cares for us, that he is intimately involved in the challenges and the details of our lives, he is establishing truth and he is providing a way forward. And as we surrender to his plan over our plan, we will see that we too have the chance to not only be seen by the God who sees, but to see him from the middle of our mess and our brokenness and our sin and our compromise. Mm. We need that word. We need that reminder. Oh, that we would fortify our lives with accountability and with um, biblical truth. 
um, you know, this has been a tough week. If, if you follow, um, uh, you know, the, the larger Christian world, this has been a tough week with the um, Ravi Zechariah situation and with the findings of his life and his ministry. And, and listen, friends, it is, it, is, it is so hard to see those things. It is so hard to read those reports. It is so hard to recognize those realities. But here's my prayer for us in this space, in this community, in this place. May, may things like that fortify us to, to never compromise truth, to never allow those little foxes to become raging, roaring lions in our life. May we have people in our lives who will tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear so that we don't find ourselves in these debilitating patterns of sin. It's hard, y'all. This world is hard. Life is hard. It's messy, it's broken. But let me tell you, God is not. He is completely put together. He is completely whole. He is completely clean. He is completely love and light. And with everything in us, let's run hard after him. Let's put him on the throne and let's worship him in spirit and truth. And as we do that, we will find that we are seen by the one who sees and that we have the opportunity to see him even from the broken places and broken spaces of life. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we desperately need you. Oh, Lord, we need your hope. We need your healing. We need your power. God, we need your truth. And more than, more than anything, especially in this moment, God, we need a passion to pursue you that comes from you and that is met with obedience and faith from our spirit, from our hearts, and from our minds. Lord, we're asking you to do a supernatural work in our lives that results in spiritual fruit that is produced for your glory and for the good of others. So God, I ask that this, this next few minutes as we walk through Genesis chapter 16, that yes, we'll see the brokenness, Yes, we'll see the pain. Yes, we'll see the compromise. Yes, we'll see the sin. But that even more than that, we will see the hope and the redemption and the truth and the peace and the power that you continually offer to those who will believe. And Lord, together and individually, we say, Lord, we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Genesis chapter 16. Remember, in Genesis chapter 15, we left Abram in this beautiful place of faith and this beautiful place of covenant. And then sometime later, we're going to find him in the place of struggle, in the place of sin. So let's turn our attention to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to see four key points leading us to our one transforming truth. Starting in verse 1, now Sarah Abram's wife had borne him no children, right? So this reminds us of the problem that's going on in their life, that God has promised a son that would lead to a nation, that would lead to a Messiah. And yet here we are several years into this journey, several years into this relationship, 
and still Sarah and Abram have no son. All right, so it's a reminder that the journey is long, that the journey is hard, that there are challenges along the way, and that every single day we have to dig into faith and dig into trust and dig into belief. And if we don't, we will easily be swayed by a temporary worldly mindset that will draw us to try to create purpose and provision for our lives based on the ways of this world. And that's exactly what's going to happen in Genesis chapter 16. So Sarah and Abram, they have no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. All right, so remember how uh, Hagar came into Abram and Sarah's life. Back in uh, earlier portion of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 12, right after uh, God and uh, Abram entered into relationship with one another, there was a famine in the land of Canaan, which drove them to Egypt. As they were approaching Egypt, remember that Abram was scared uh, because Sarah was beautiful. And so he said to Sarah, say that you're my sister instead of my wife. So that's how they entered into Egypt. Sarah ended up going into Pharaoh's um, uh, household to become his wife. Uh, but God protected the promise even when Abram didn't, and he sent a plague on Pharaoh and Pharaoh's household. It came to the surface that uh, Abram and Sarah were married, and so Pharaoh sent Abram and Sarah away from Egypt, and, and as a parting gift, he gave them wealth, he gave them possessions, and Pharaoh gave them some maidservants, and that's how Hagar came into the story. And so, that's the reminder that sin has consequences. How Abram and Sarah went into Egypt set up a uh, situation that was not honoring to God, that was not truth-filled, that was not trust-filled, and we see ongoing consequences. So now Hagar is in their life. And Hagar's presence there is going to provide an opportunity for them to think like the, the world. Um, and so we're going to see that that is going to continue to be a sinful path for Abram and Sarah. So she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she, Sarah, said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. So let's stop right there. We see Sarah's mindset in that she is telling Abram all the things that are missing from her life, and she is now ascribing blame to God in this particular situation, and she's looking at God through the lens of her circumstances. And whenever we fall into that trap, we are in trouble, friends. We have to look at our circumstances through the lens of God's character. And when we do that, we're fortified in truth. We're fortified in faith. We're fortified in belief because we know that God is with us, that God is for us, that God would never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will provide for us, um, you know, according to his plans and his purposes, that he is good, that he is loving towards all he has made. But we do not see that mindset right now in Sarah's life. Instead, she's looking at the situation and she's saying, I don't have a child. 
I have a maidservant, but God has not allowed me to have a child. So we're, we're going to see that sin is rising up in Sarah. So she sit, ha, comes up, up with this plan. She says to Abram, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And so this brings us to our very first key point, And that is the fact that we live in a world that is broken with sin. It's a broken world, friends. Uh, let's define sin. Sin is any wrong thought, action, or reaction. And we see that sin welled up in Sarah at this moment, and she is going to try to fix this situation on her own. I just wonder if we have any fixers out there. Hello, I am a fixer. A fixer, a controller, uh, whenever something isn't going according to my timeline or according to my plan, it's so easy for me to fall into this. It's that Wonder Woman mentality where I've got to have a plan, I'm gonna work the plan, I'm gonna swoop in, I'm gonna save the day, I'm gonna be all the things to all the people and I'm gonna make sure that everything goes according to what the way I think it should go. And this is such a trap for us. I think especially as women, we can, whenever we sense a lack of control, we can swoop in and try to have all these different things of control. Now, it's not bad to have a plan. My goodness, uh, if I was to turn my camera around, for example, right here, you would see page after page of to-do lists and plans and things that I have to work on. That's not bad. But when it becomes a problem is whenever we are doing that in the place of God's way, in the place of God's purposes, in the place of how God works in and through our lives. And so uh, Sarah just is, is showing us the fact that we are broken people and we live in a broken world. And, and Abram's going to come into agreement with that because uh, continuing on in verse 2, Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So instead of Abram having that fortified faith and that that belief that 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 we saw in Genesis chapter 15, he's agreeing with Sarah. And as he's agreeing with Sarah, he's saying, you know what, you're right, we don't have a child and God hasn't provided one, but we do have a, a maidservant. And so um, it's again, it's really hard to see, but it is a reality of what happened in this situation. Verse three, so after Abram had been living in Canaan, 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and Hagar conceived a child. So we see that that it happened, you know, and this was, and, and I really want us to understand this truth, like this was the way that the world worked back then, but that did not make it right with God. And that's a, that's a great lesson for us. There are things that happen in our world today, but that does not make it right with God. So friends, we live in a broken world. This broken world causes our relationships sometimes to be very complex, especially when sin is being played out in our relationships. And we're going to see this in the next couple of verses. Look with me. Uh, at verse number four, the second half of it. When she, and that is Hagar, knew she was pregnant, she began to despise Sarah. 
Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. What does Abram do? In verse 6, your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar. So we see the very fact that they've gone this path of the world. They've gone this path of sin that really reminds us that all of us are sinful, that we all have these sinful tendencies and that we live in a broken world. You begin to see them playing out their various roles in sinful ways. So what happened? Hagar despised Sarah. All right, so Hagar looked at Sarah as if she was insignificant or small in her worth. So imagine that dynamic between Abram, Sarah, and Hagar. Now Hagar has the power because she is pregnant, so she's going to despise Sarah, and she's going to look at Sarah as if Sarah has no worth, no value, and how she is insignificant in the relationship because she, Sarah, was not able to conceive, but Hagar was. So you see the power struggle that is developing between these two women specifically and how Abram is caught in the middle of all of that. So we see that Hagar despised Sarah, and then Sarah mistreated Hagar. So, you know, Sarah's still the one who ultimately has the power because she's the primary wife of Abram. So she was able to be mean to Hagar. She was able to be neglectful uh, of Hagar. She was able to treat her in a way that was not right. And then what did Abram do? He withdrew from the place of leadership. Abram gave up control to Sarah by saying, hey, she's your servant. Um, she's not mine, so you do with her whatever you want to. All right, so this takes us to point number two. God sees us in our brokenness. Aren't you thankful for that? If you are watching this video and you are in a place of struggle and a place of doubt and a place of sin and a place of compromise and a place of regret or shame, just know you do not have to stay there because what happens in the Genesis chapter 16 is that this mistreatment of Hagar becomes so intense that she ends up leaving or fleeing from Sarah. And it's believed that she was trying to go back to Egypt, back to her homeland. But along the way, there's this encounter uh, between Hagar and the angel of the Lord that is dripping with messianic, which is Jesus, kind of features. Uh, and some people actually believe that this was Jesus himself. And so I'm not sure about that. I don't know if this was a pre-incarnate um, Christ siding here in the Old Testament, or if this is an angel of the Lord who came on behalf of God as a picture of what Jesus is going to do for all of our lives. But it is so beautiful. In the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sin, in the midst of the fleeing, there is a redemption plan. And so let's um, pick it up in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. That's important. Hang on to that. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I love that he asked that question because here's the thing. He already knew the answer to it, but he it, it was important for Hagar to admit where she had been and where she was going. The same is true for us in our spiritual journeys. 
we often need to articulate where we have been, where we are going. Are we on the highs? Are we on the lows? Are we in the twists? Are we in the turns? Where have we been? Where are we going? Because where we have been can lead us to a hope-filled future. But it only if we have our eyes focused on Jesus, because it's so easy to get sucked into the ways of this world. Compromise is always, always crouching at our door. And so this question was a clarifying question. Hagar, what's going on in your life? Hagar, where are you? Hagar, what's, what's, the, what's the point? What are you trying to accomplish by being out here in the desert? And here's um, Hagar's honest reply. I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now a child and you will have a son. You shall call him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. You know, that's not necessarily what you want to hear whenever you find out that you have a child or that you are with child. But here's what we have to remember. And this is so important, friends. The Lord is always honest with us. He is always truthful. He is always, um, you know, laying it out in a way that is truthful and hope-filled and, and honest. And that's so good. Like he never is there to like pull the rug out from under us or to, to trick us or to say one thing, but the reality to be something else. God is truth-filled. He is honest. And so this encounter becomes beautiful to Hagar, even though what God said through the angel was hard to hear, it became life-giving to her. And I just wonder if that's something that we need to think about. Like, do we need some correction from the Lord? Do we need to hear some kind of truthful message that will serve as a protection and as a landscape of truth and redemption in our lives, even if it's not what we want to hear? So we need to see that God sees us in our brokenness. I mentioned to you uh, that the angel of the Lord found Hagar next to a spring of water. And if you are a student of the word, then you, you know that that's important because there is this theme that goes from Genesis to Revelation uh, that is the beauty of a spring of water that is a representation of the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. In fact, remember Jesus at um, uh, his encounter with the, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and he says, you know, this water is temporary, but, but I'm the living water. I'm the one that you drink of and you will never thirst again. And so there's this beautiful thread throughout the gospel through this picture of a spring of water or through a river of water that leads to life. And so whenever we see Hagar by this spring of water, it is significant. Uh, so beautiful. Um, God's redemptive path and his redemptive ability, even in the brokenness and in the pain. And so God speaks life and truth into the brokenness. We see this uh, in verses 13 through 15. This is our third key point. 
She gave the name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So Hagar, this was like a spiritual experience for her. Like she clearly knew that she had brokenness in her life. She knew that she lived in a broken world. She knew that she was a part of that brokenness, but she also know, knew that God was speaking into that brokenness with truth. And as a result of that, Hagar had a heart of worship, and she recognized that she had been seen by the one who sees. And I just wonder if somebody listening today, you need to know that truth, that you are seen by God, that you are loved by God, that you are cared for by God, and that even in the midst of the brokenness and the pain, the struggles and the confusion, even not knowing what's on the other side of your situation, that God sees you, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you. He's going to establish truth in your life no matter what the outcome is, and he is going to help you move forward. And you do that by faith, by trust, by belief. And so we see that God speaks truth into the brokenness. God speaks life into the brokenness, and he is the one who sees you, and he gives you the opportunity to see him. I want us to think about that for just a few minutes. In the midst of your overwhelming circumstance, let it settle in on you, whatever it is, health-related, finance-related, job-related, relationship-related, all the different possibilities in a very, very broken world, what does it mean to you to know that God sees you and that you have the chance to see him and that it is from that place of relationship that you will be able to move forward in faith and obedience? Key point number four, we have the opportunity to reflect truth to a broken world. That's what happens when we come into agreement with God about his plans and his purposes, even in the midst of the sin and the pain. We then get to go back into the to the broken world and reflect truth. Because what did Hagar have to do? And we're going to see this in Genesis chapter 17. Instead of going to Egypt, where it would have been easier, perhaps, she went back to Abram and Sarah's land. She went back to their family. She went back to their um, to their group of people. She bore that son, Ishmael, and she raised that son there. And we're going to not leave the story here. Of course, there's going to be more to tell of this story, but she had to go back into the difficult situation and she had to reflect the truth from her encounter with God. That's what we have the opportunity to do every single day in the messiness, in the brokenness, in the difficulty, in the pain, in the overwhelming situations, even in the sin-filled situations that happen around us, we have the opportunity after our encounter with God to step back into those places and spaces and to reflect truth. Truth is the word of God. Truth is the power of God. Truth is the redemptive, redemptive plan of God. So that leads us to our transforming truth. God sees, he knows, he cares. Ah, isn't that good to know? In the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our struggle, we serve the one who sees and knows and loves and cares. The story of Hagar is hard. It really is. It breaks my heart. I know it probably breaks your heart. It seems like it's not fair. We want to change it in some way. We want to hit the pause button and say, Abram, don't go this direction or Sarah, don't go that direction. And while we can't do that, we can learn from it. 
We can learn that the price of sin is high and the consequences of sin never stay contained. We can also learn that in our most valued spaces of life, in our most valued relationships, we need to be diligent to protect our lives from sin. We need people in our lives who are willing to tell us what we need to hear, not necessarily what we want to hear. We must build accountability into our lives, especially when it comes to those weak areas where we're so easily drawn to the ways of this world. Still, redemption is ever on the heart and ever on the mind of God. He is the one who sees. He is the constant in the mess, and he is constant in the storm. Today, in the middle of our brokenness and in the middle of our pain, do we believe that God sees us? Can we sit by the spring of water, who is the spring of life, who is Jesus, and hear his truth being poured into our lives? Do we believe that Jesus sees us in our brokenness and in our pain and that he is willing to meet us in our mess and to give us a message through it? Do we believe that he is willing and able to take our pain and to create purpose? That is who he is and that is how he works. He provides the full life. He provides the free life. He provides the abundant life. He provides the truth-filled life. And he provides the redeemed life. Even in the midst of the sin, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the brokenness and the mess and the struggle, Jesus has the answer because he is the answer. This week, we're going to sit by the spring of water who is the spring of life. And we're going to talk about brokenness and we're going to talk about pain and we're going to talk about struggles and we're going to talk about what do we do with the real deal issues of life that so easily entangle us. What do we do with the fact that we live in a broken world? What do we do with the fact that our brokenness leaves us with questions and doubts? What do we do when God speaks truth into our brokenness and it isn't necessarily what we wanted to hear, but what we needed to hear? And how can we step back into the callings and the plans and the purposes that God has for us and reflect the truth that was revealed from our encounter with God? That's what Genesis 16 is all about. Yes, it was messy. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it was unfortunate, but it didn't stop the plans of God. It simply provided an opportunity for truth to be established and for life to move on from that place. That's what needs to happen in our lives. We have some messy situations. We need truth to be established so that God can lead us on from this place. We're going to talk about it this week. I love you, and I'm thankful for you. And if it does snow, I want you to look at that snow and think about that beautiful passage out of Isaiah, though our sin be as scarlet, God makes it whiter than snow. Have a great week. 
Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full free abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go. Oh, 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 oh,